following is an exclusive Disruption Network production. Welcome to Microdose Monday. It's another Monday with another episode of Microdosing. This is episode three. We're at Disruption Network with my co-host Anthony Z. Well, what's up, Z? Hey, Tucker. Good to see you, buddy. Welcome to a, another episode of Microdose Monday. I'm liking these episodes, and uh, I want to give a big shout out to everybody that has been downloading the previous episodes. We've had some really good feedback. Uh, I'm very happy on the way this whole podcast thing is going, and that's kind of how I was expecting it to go, too. So, Yeah, uh, I got some feedback, too. People are listening, uh, asking more questions. So this week we're going to talk a little bit more about microdosing. Uh, we'll start off with that, and then we'll see where it goes. Uh, last week we spent some time talking to Mario Garnier about 5-MeO-DMT, uh, the Bufal Various Toad. This topic will uh, periodically come up through all of the episodes, as will all of the medicines uh, that we've been working with and talking about. So today we want to actually talk talk about microdosing and what is it so basically when we refer to microdosing we're talking about using uh, psychedelics if you will this plant medicine specifically um, psilocybin have you heard of people microdosing psilocybin oh yeah yeah it's kind of a trend right now if you think about it I've seen a lot of reports and it's been helping people kick addiction and PTSDs and it's just by taking a little like minuscule of magic mushrooms yeah, if you will. yeah that's that's exactly what it is it's taking basically it's take I mean there's levels of it but what I want to talk about is the subperceptual dose which basically when you have psilocybin mushrooms these are the magic mushrooms that everybody talks about they grow all throughout the world and so they have psilocybin in them and each mushroom uh, it's kind of I'm gonna do a comparison with marijuana again you know how you have all the different types of plants now what do they call gorilla glue purple skunk purple haze all the different names and and that's kind of the way it is right now with psilocybin that there's all these little subspecies uh, the main one that everybody works with is psilocybin cubensis okay so there's different strands of them as well some are called uh, the golden teachers is a very common one that's probably the one that most people uh, have taken uh, throughout the years at dead shows or going to mow or anything like that that that's probably the main strand uh, uh, the main type of mushroom that everybody was taking so they're the golden teachers and there's also other ones there's one actually called penis envy kind of <laughs> looks like a penis uh, so that's why they call it that uh, and then there's albino breeds so basically what they do is um, they take a very very small dose and I'm talking subperceptual so this is if we're talking in grams that this is going to be less than a quarter gram that you're not even going to feel it and the idea is building it up in the system so these, this consciousness of the mushrooms can start to take 
effect in your brain. What it does is it, it goes to the serotonin receptors in your brain. The same, you know, we have all these uh, receptors in our brain, the neurotransmitters and substances, you know, whether whatever it is, a plethora of substances all throughout whatever it is, whether it's alcohol, uh, caffeine, that they hit in the brain. So it's the same thing with psilocybin, but it actually hits in the brain where serotonin hits, that we have these receptors. And so what happens is it starts to develop a new pathway in the brain. Neurogenesis takes place. And neurogenesis is what? It's basically when new synapses, new nerve cells start to grow. That it's actually, they found that there's studies, Johns Hopkins did studies. Uh, if you Google psilocybin studies right now, you're gonna, it's just going to, a laundry list is going to come up and, and how healthy they found it to be for the brain with neurogenesis. So all it is pretty much is like a minuscule, but how long do you have to take it for it to really take effect? Okay, so there's a few protocols. Paul Stamets is the world-renowned expert on mushrooms right now. And what what his protocol is, the Paul Stamets protocol, and this is like basically the golden standard across the board, everybody's familiar with him, is a five days on and two days off. Five on, two off. So you take your dose, you take your sub-perceptual dose, whether it's a quarter gram, a tenth of a gram. Once a day? Once a day, gotcha. typically in the morning on an empty stomach. Now, you know, obviously, if you're taking a higher dose, you're going to have a hard time, you know, driving to work, doing your regular things. But with this protocol, with the sub-perceptual protocol, you're not feeling it. You're not, Basically, this is until like the third day. Or the fourth day where you start to, like, the music sounds a little better, the sky seems a little more blue, you find yourself whistling, you're just you're just in a little bit better of a mood. It's, it's a very subtle feeling. So then you take your two days off, and you're like, wow. You know, so now it's still lingering on the two days. Then you start again on Monday. So here we are, Microdose Monday. People are taking microdoses all across the United States. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm interested in finding out what are people, other people microdosing with. I know you can microdose with just about anything. People are microdosing with LSD. This isn't something I'm familiar with, but I know a lot of people that have had results working with that particular substance. I choose to work with the more natural uh, entheogens. And, you know, that's what's worked in my life. So let me tell you about how... You know, I was struggling with depression, and uh, I had already drank ayahuasca. I had already done iboga, but I kind of cycled. I went down, and I was watching YouTube, and I was like, man, you know, this thing on mushrooms came up. So I was like, I happened to have some because in the back of my mind prior to that, I wanted these to potentially microdose with, but I had just put it off because I really didn't understand what I was doing. And so finally, I said, okay, I'm going to do this. So I measured my dose. You know, I, I broke up the, the cap, and I took a little bit, and I did that for five days. And then I took, uh, I took one day off. It was supposed to be two, but I only took one because I was feeling so good. And it just so happens. So I followed it for another three weeks, and I can tell you what, that the clarity that I had while I was microdosing, it, it was unbelievable. It felt like, you know, my brain was operating at 100%. You know, after struggling with brain fog, struggling with depression, heart, having a hard time just even getting out of out of out of bed, or doing any any of my regular tasks, that these, in such a small amount, basically brought me back to life. It brought me back to life. I went to Mexico 
at the begin. So that was in that was in uh, November and December of 2018. I stopped my microdosing because my grandfather died, and I just kind of you know took a break from everything. And he died around Christmas uh, that year, and uh, I took it well. It could have been something that really sat me down into a recess of darkness, but I handled it well. And at that point, from the microdosing, I decided that I wanted to build a better relationship with these mushrooms, that I really wanted to understand them, that I wanted to take them to the next level uh, and actually do, do macro doses. So I ended up going to Mexico. There was a retreat down there in uh, Playa del Carmen. It was on this... Um, it's considered not an ashram. Uh, one of these, uh, he was he was a follower of Oshu. His name is Ozen. So this, uh, you know who Oshu is? You ever, he, uh, there was actually a documentary on Netflix about it, about they all went to Oregon. They had this big commune, sannyasins they were called, wild, wild country. Did you see that on Netflix? Oh, so it was a big deal back in the 80s. Anyways, he had a lot of followers, and this guy Ozen was one of them. After Osho died, Ozen opened up this, ashram uh, he built this um, in the jungles of mexico the mayan jungles i mean there's trees monkeys everything in there and then you have these wooden planks and and kind of nice little huts where you, you stay and there's this community and, and so this is where the mushroom retreat was and there we were allowed to uh, go deeper with the mushrooms in a facilitated way. There was a shaman there. Uh, there was facilitators there. Every day we had group sessions after the ceremony. So it was definitely a safe environment where I was able to explore um, going deeper with, with these little teachers, as I call them, you know, because they're really they're really a consciousness of their own. They, they, they do things in the mind it's not like taking a synthetic pharmaceutical it's just not like that that they that there's something going on there that is inexplicable but that we have been doing for thousands of years as humans we've been eating these mushrooms there's a there's a there's a theory it's called the stoned ape theory and basically terence mckenna came up with it where he said that humans evolved because they were eating these psilocybin mushrooms from the animals and that it allowed our brain to, to grow more, and so we evolved, this sect of primates evolved to become humans through eating magic mushrooms. Wow, I never heard that theory before. Terrence McKenna. Paul Stamets talks about it on the Joe Rogan podcast. Great podcast on Joe Rogan. Paul Stamets, they sit there and they just talk uh, mushrooms all day. So... I'm not as I'm not as educated as Paul Stamets or even Joe Rogan on the topic. I can only talk about what's happened with me. And I want to tell another story about um, about these mushrooms and microdosing. Uh, so I had a friend uh, that was struggling with addiction. He was struggling with opiate addiction. He had been uh, using various opiates uh, over the last 10 to 15 years. And it had really come to a point where he had had enough. Uh, he had been to rehabs. He had been in five, uh, seven rehabs. He completed five of them, walked out on two of them. And he's still struggling to just live his everyday life without the use of opiates. And I'm talking hardcore opiates. I'm not talking just the pills. Not that pills aren't also hard. Hardcore, but we're talking, you know, heroin uh, and and things like that. They get on the street. So this this person had been really at his wits end, and he had reached out to me for help. What can we do? Uh, now I had heard of iboga, and I began treating heroin addiction, treating method, you know, treating all of these opiate addictions 
where it actually takes away the withdrawal symptoms. I had heard that. There's a lot of talk about that. I think we talked about it on Disruption Network before uh, Ibogaine. And there was back a big, in 2017. Back in 2017, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I hadn't... You have to really be trained to work with Iboga and Ibogaine. That you really should have a medical doctor there because that is a serious medicine. Uh, people can die on that one. That it can be toxic. That it can lower your blood rate so much, or your your pulse and your blood pressure so much that you could die on it. So, oh, wow. when they're working with Iboga and Ibogaine, especially for a detox, that it needs to be done in an Ibogaine clinic or a medical setting. A lot of people work with Iboga after they're after they've already cleaned out from the addiction. So basically what happens is, uh, you know, they'll, they'll clean out, they'll go for the aboga ceremony, and then they're able to get all, all of the benefits of, of that plant. The ibogaine is just one alkaloid of that plant, which is particularly a strong one that can help fight uh, the uh, cravings and, and withdrawals. So this friend, uh, I had this idea that we would work with, with the mushrooms, that the mushrooms, I had such faith in them, honestly, that I, that I think that, that they are one of the only medicines that really don't belong, aren't owned by one particular indigenous culture. Like ayahuasca comes from the Amazon. It's, it's basically, that's an indigenous medicine there, that the, they've been doing it for thousands of years, they have the traditions, and that's something that they need to follow. With these mushrooms, they grow everywhere. They grow in India. They grow in Ireland. They grow in, in uh, you they, know, they in, grow in shit. They grow in shit. Yeah, <laughs> they grow in shit. But I mean, the most beautiful flowers are coming from this shit. That yeah. these things are helping people. It's changing people's lives from depression, from OCD, PTSD, addiction, trauma. And there's, you know, there's there's another documentary. I'll throw it out there. It's called, uh, I believe, it's called Dosed. It was originally it was called Microdose Me is what it was called. They changed the name to Dose, where they actually talk about Iboga in there. They talk about it. That's a great film. Uh, definitely, if anybody that wants to find out more or they're into, like, documentaries and watching these things, I know in the beginning, for me, I couldn't get enough of the documentary. So it's like, as, as I recall them, I'll just throw them out there. So my, Microdose is one where they actually follow this addict. It's a woman where she does her whole healing, you know, via, I think she works with Iboga and the mushrooms. So getting back to my story, my guy, I had this idea that we could use the mushrooms in place of, you know, instead of using uh, the opiates potentially. So we, we, we took uh, we took a chance. Excuse me. So first, the first thing was, was the toad, that I felt like the toad was a good way for this guy uh, to, and he had been asking about it. It's not like I went out and said, hey, yeah. you know, uh, you want to smoke the toad, you know. The way this works is that these people have to seek it out themselves. They have to ask the questions. They have to want to do it. Like, hey, how did you do this or any of that? That that's the way it's got to be. That you can't. They call it evangelizing the medicine. And I'm I was guilty of it. You know, when I came back, I was like, everybody should do a boga. Everybody should go drink ayahuasca. Then when it got to the toad, everybody should do the toad. Now, as I've been in this movement for five more, five years, I don't bring it up. Obviously, I'm bringing it up here. You know, so maybe you could start a conversation, but I'm not telling anybody. You know, let's do the disclaimer right now, Z, that this is something that I did. I'm not a medical doctor. Disruption Network, EC Radio, they don't endorse anything that I'm saying. They're just holding the platform for that, that anything that I say is for educational and uh, entertainment purposes, and that what's worked for me may not work for anybody else. So let's just put that disclaimer out there, okay? Excellent. Thank you. 
So he came to me and he was asking me, you know, how, what, what have I been doing? What have I done uh, in my own life with my own battles with substance abuse, with alcohol, with depression, with anxiety? Because, you know, substance abuse is just one of the growths on this weed that's growing out of mental illness or whatever. That first there's some kind of problem, there's some kind of issue where people aren't feeling comfortable in their own skin. So they turn to use a substance and then... That fixes the problem, right? But now what happens is they're down, they have a greater problem. Now they have this underlying issue still. Well, hey, I was a little shy, but I started doing cocaine so I could be more outgoing. Now I'm outgoing, but I had this cocaine problem. Then when the cocaine's gone, I got a cocaine problem and I'm still shy. Vicious cycle. Whatever it is, you know, and that's just an example. So there's always something underlying with this. And so with this guy, Using the toad is like, you know, it's like hitting a, a nail with a sledgehammer, basically. You know, this is the, this is, as far as we know, this is the strongest psychedelic in the world. And I'm talking about the toad medicine, Buffalo Various, the one that Mike Tyson talked about, the one that we spoke about last week. This is called 5-MeO-DMT, and this is found in the Sonoran Desert toad which ranges from Mexico all the way up to California, Colorado, New Mexico. It's also called the Colorado River Toad. And in its glands, it's a secretion of 5-MeO-DMT. So when people inhale this 5-MeO-DMT, it unlocks certain things in the brain that it just it just shatters the ego. That whatever it was, whatever you were before, whatever you were thinking about, whatever you were feeling that there's nothing that can hold on to you. There's depression is gone, anger is gone. It all just it just disintegrates with everything. You lose your sense of self if you if you take enough of this. So by doing that, you can break this chain of addiction, of this mental chatter, of this behavior, of this habit. So that's what it does. And for that, you know, I mean it only lasts anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes of the peak. So that's what you started your friend on was the toad? The toad. Yeah. And the idea behind that was to just, I felt like it would be a good way for him to potentially see what he's doing to himself because the way it works, I mean, it's, it's to try and explain it is just next to impossible. You know, it's like, how do you explain, uh, you know, what love is or, or any, you know, trying to, to make sense of this. I mean, people would think, oh, yeah, it's tripping or this is fun. This is this is not something that people do recreationally. Right. It's not something that you're going to do on a Friday night with your buddies. People are not sitting around in a circle uh, and saying this is going to be fun because it just it, just, it doesn't work like that. that it, it's, it could be so scary. You know, some people scream. You got to be careful. Some people scream. Some people roll. Some people, there's, you know, potential to vomit. You know, uh, I've been punched in the face in a ceremony where, you know, we, we've been working with people that people can really bug out because it, it is so scary. But if you surrender to this experience, if you allow it to just do what it's going to do and take you where it needs to take you, it can be the most beautiful thing that you've ever experienced. And I can equate it to, I mean, I haven't had one of my own, but if I was to understand it or talk to the, the same results or of, of like a near-death experience... That people report becoming one with God, that they they you explode into a million pieces where you're you're you become nothing and nothing is there, but you're part of this everything. 
And it's just like complete love. There's an episode on the Vice Channel where Hamilton Morris smokes the toad. Um, it's a couple years old. People could find that. It's it's a disturb. Have you seen it? I have not. It is pretty. I wish we had a, a props guy where we could say, "Hey, can you pull that up?" And then they pull up the video like they do on. We're on not a shoestring budget here, Tucker. Okay, well, <laughs> we, we have to get some. We were, next time I drive down the street, I'll pull somebody in. There so. you go. <laughs> so it's disturbing because when, when there was four people that took it, and one of the guys, the server was this guy, Doctor Jerry. He's one of the more famous. Mexican toad shaman. She's the one that served Mike Tyson. But when he served this guy, he was by a little creek, and the guy just fell face first into the water. He let him fall. I mean, like all kinds. All I mean, like really. Aside from anything else, letting anybody fall in the face first in the water, you could break your jaw. You could break yeah. your arm. You could do anything. So it wasn't safe. And it's like everybody cringes that's involved in this movement. Cringes when they see that because I mean, obviously it's good. It's good for television. It's and it's good entertainment. People are like holy shit, you know, seeing something like that. Then there was another guy that he served that just completely. Uh, bugged out he was screaming and puke was coming out the side of his mouth and it was a it was a shit show but then when hamilton morris did it, it probably gave hamilton a smaller dose he just laid there and just kept saying love 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 you know that's all that's all he kept saying the entire time that was it that was his experience Mario, the guy who we had on last week Mario Garnier got got to know Hamilton Morris pretty well and uh, he spent some time with him, and Hamilton had only done it the one that one time. That I don't know that he was interested in doing it again because, like I said, you know, here's here's Hamilton Morris. Everybody knows who he is. So, what is it, psychedelia or something on Vice? You know that mm-hmm. that show where he goes around and doing all these different, uh, you know, entheogens, these different psychedelics, and he reports on them. He's very scientific, uh, more of a psychonaut actually than looking for healing. That he doesn't. I don't know that he's working with with spiritual. I mean, it can go either way. You can work with spirit, and this whole thing is on a spiritual plane or you can go the western route of it and 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 psychonaut the way they think about it and and just it's more scientific you know but for me it's always it's always a spiritual thing that i only do any of these medicines when i absolutely don't want to it's like a calling and a friend of mine she says why don't you explain what a calling means you, you know, do you know what I say when I, when I feel called to do something? You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you feel like it, it's your duty. It's something that comes from the heart. Yeah. It, it's like, it's like, it's it's hard to like. It's like you're drawn to something that you feel that you that you have to do it. That it's it's your duty to do these things, and that's what it's been for me. With that, you know, when I was called to go drink ayahuasca for this time, it was like. That's scary. Can we go back to your friend? How's he doing today? Great. He's, I think he's on day 85. Wow. I think he's on day 85. So to get back to that, thank you. That's your job here. Keep, <laughs> keep it going. The friend does the toad. He had to take two hits. Take okay. the first hit. Was, we call it a handshake dose where it's basically they take the medicine as a smaller dose just to see how they handle it to get used to it. Uh-huh. And then we could administer the higher dose, which is the one that can really rattle the cages, that can bring them to what they call a, a breakthrough, where you're actually breaking through to the other side. And what that is, is that's going, that's leaving this dimension and entering the next stratosphere or whatever it is. 
he was hesitant to do the second one because he was so frightened off the first one. I said, you have to trust me that you came here to do this work, that you're okay. If anything happens, I'll just call 911. You know, I'm not afraid. Whatever it is we're, we're doing here, this is done with intention. This is uh, uh, something that's used for healing. And if anything was to happen, we would have called the 911 immediately. But that, that wasn't even going to happen. You know, it was, it was just his fear coming in. Took the dose, and he said... What he said was one of the first things when he was saying when it was coming out is, this is life-changing. This is life-changing. This is life-changing. And I hear that a lot. I hear it before. But I've seen it change his life. That that day he decided that he's done with opiates. That it was it. So it worked even better than I thought. That my idea was to just give him enough mental fortitude to consider the choice to think about it, to show it what you're doing to your body. And there was a lot of tears being shed uh, in the process of, of, of his two hits of this Bufo Alvarius. He's just kind of going back through a whole array of motions, and that's what... I mean, I can't imagine what was in his mind, and, I, and honestly, I didn't pick his head oh, to yeah. see what he was feeling because that's a personal thing, right? right? This is whatever caused him to get involved in that and whatever skeletons are in his closet, you know, that if he wanted to bring it out, then he could. Uh, and, he, and, you know, he shared some of the things. And I, you know, when, I, when people tell me things, it's like goes in one ear out the other because I don't want to be carrying everybody's problems around with me. And then, <laughs> you know, if, if, right. if, 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 if I'm hearing it, then I'm carrying it, and then it then it could make it my own. So I'm very cautious about when people say things to me to understand, to be to be compassionate, and to just let them do their own process. So a couple, you know, I wanted to follow up with with this. Now this this is this is off the charts what we're talking about. This is something that people aren't doing. I call I called a couple of my friends uh, and asked them like, hey, have you ever used the toad to combat? addiction with 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 heroin have you ever used mushrooms i called my aboga guy my abogaine guy he didn't want to tell me nothing because he didn't want to be attached to this he said no 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 you know he don't he doesn't even want to talk about ibogaine anymore because sometimes it doesn't work or, or he doesn't want to be attached to it so when i called out i said i wanted to get as much information as i could about People coming, you know, because now he's going to go through the withdrawal process. That the toad doesn't take away the withdrawals at all. It just gave him, the, it helped him with the mental fortitude for this battle he was about to face of withdrawing from methadone and heroin. They've been using both of them, going back and forth, trying to lay off heroin so he'd use the methadone. And then when he couldn't get the methadone, he was using the heroin. I have no experience with opiate uh, detox. I have no experience with it. But I knew that this kid, if he kept using, could potentially die. Because, let's face it, I mean, I think everything has fentanyl in it at this point. Fentanyl is at epidemic proportions in the city of Utica, in the state of New York, in this United States, fentanyl. And now they they have an even stronger kind. So now it's being found in cocaine. It's being found in the pills that people are saying they're Xanax or they're hydros or whatever. They're made with fentanyl. And the heroin's being cut with fentanyl. And people are dying. They're dying. Uh, I heard that using the Narcan isn't even waking people up from some of these ODs. Wow, really? 
I think that being in the musical industry and you know having some of the similar friends, both of our lives have been touched oh, by for years addiction and 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 heroin in particular. That heroin has taken a lot of people's lives, and I just got sick of it. Yeah, I got sick of it. I said, I'm gonna. Hey, I'm talking about what I'm doing, and because this kid's life, he's alive today. I'm not saying it's, it's because of me. I'm not saying it's because of the toad, and I'm not saying it's because of the mushrooms. But you had some guidance. It was definitely all of the things put together, mostly with his personal fortitude, his mental fortitude that he took upon himself. Right. He's to, the one that's got to make one. the change. He made the change. He's yeah. got to do the work. Yeah. I could just stand there and walk next to him. I could answer the phone when he calls me. I could run down to his house and sit with him when he feels like puking. But it's him that's going through it, and he did. So in the process, so let's get, after that day, it was a, I think it was a Saturday that he took the toad. And that's when he decided that he was going to stop using uh, heroin and methadone. We didn't know. I, I mean, from my understanding, I thought it was a three- or four-day withdrawal from heroin. And the amount of methadone he said he was using was like a couple drops. So I had no idea what was involved. It took 31 days. Wow. This guy suffered for 31 days going through opiate withdrawal. However... He suffered a lot less because in the midst of that, he was using psilocybin to microdose with. I thought maybe in the beginning that it would just be, uh, you know, help mentally with him. I had no idea that it was going to help him with his actual withdrawals. He would say he'd get the kicks in his legs. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. The, what are the kicks? But his legs would start to hurt and shake. And when he would take the psilocybin, now he, I mean, a microdose, we're talking obviously a quarter gram. He was up around a half a gram, a gram, because, okay, over the course of 31 days, he, have made, he may have taken the mushrooms 28 out of those 31 days. And then a little bit after that to help with with the withdrawals. And he was taking them. My, you know, so here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm walking right alongside with him through this whole ordeal of calling me. Oh, man, talk. I don't know if I could do it. I said, you're going to do it. You're going to make it. You just got to make it through today. Just get through today. And he was working on and off. Towards the end, I think it was around 14 days, he was he, he wanted to use again. Yeah. That's Probably starting to kick in. At 14 days, he called me up and he said, uh, man, I'm at my worst right now. It was a bad... The, the night before, check this out. The night before I had a dream. I'm in my dream and I have these supernatural dreams, right? In the dream, everything's weird. I can only explain that there's an energy going on in this dream where I know something's going on. Now, I've had these supernatural dreams where there's... We'll call them entities, for for argument's sake. I don't want. I don't because I really don't know what they are. I just know that they're not human energies. Sometimes they pick me up and throw me into the wall. Very scary stuff, right? I've gotten better at handling myself in these dreams and and dealing with these with these things. But this one was different. I was there with somebody else, and all of a sudden a portal opened up. And I don't know if it was into a mirror or a wall. And I saw, I don't know if it was my friend. He was like, it was he was getting sucked into it. I don't know if it was the guy that was with me or whatever, because now it's been two or three months since I've had the dream. But I reached into the wall. I reached into the portal, and I pulled the guy out of it. Pulled him out of it. The next day, this kid calls me. says, I'm on the fence, man. I, I, I'm going to make the call. I said, I said, I'll be right there. So we went down. I went down there. 
and we did another toad ceremony. Did another toad ceremony because I was like, this is what it's for. This is when the medicine works. Now, he was resistant, man, because the first time he did it, it was scary as hell. He was afraid, you know, and nobody wants to do, go face their, their darkest shit and feel all of the pain and go through all of that. But it, what it does is it, it like frees you up. It frees you up. It cleanses you, clears you. So I said, bro, I said, I think, I think this is what we got to do. You know, and, and at any point, I told you, know, I said, I'm not peer pressuring you to do anything. You wanted my advice. You wanted to follow my protocol, what, how I think we can do this, because I'm new at it. And I said, okay. So he took the toad, followed up. It was a completely different experience than his first time around. And it catapulted him. Next thing you know, we were on day 17, day 18, and he still had the microdose because he was still feeling his legs. He started to get a little better. I had watched on YouTube, so I start, you know, so I'm like, in the whole process of this, I'm like, you know, I'm YouTube and everything, I'm Googling everything, methadone, heroin, withdrawal, all these different things, so I could become as educated as I can. I spent, you know, his first, you know, his 30 days, I was talking to him every single day, multiple times a day, and I wanted to be educated as much as I can about, you know, what he's going through. And, you know, I think it was on day 14, I was like, this guy's, he's giving it his all. And I was smoking cigarettes at the time. And I grabbed my half a pack of cigarettes and I just threw it. I said, if this guy can go through this heroin withdrawal, this methadone withdrawal, I can do the tobacco. And uh, that's when I stopped smoking cigarettes uh, along with him. And so I got something out of it too, right? I think he's on day 80 now. Wow. Calls me, you know, he had mothers, mothers, his birthday, he was clean on his birthday. Uh, his daughter's school graduation, he was clean on that. There was Father's Day, Memorial Day, the 4th of July is coming up. This kid, he's got a whole new life. He's got a girlfriend now. You know, and he's and he and he calls me all the time. Says thank you, you gave me my life back. And I and I, it's not me, I played a role. Right. But this is a success story, and I really want you know. This is why I think when we first started doing talking about this podcast again, as we talked about it multiple times, that this was what got you. Yeah, wasn't it? Was helping people and uh, just changing lives, inspiring. The whole reason why we started Disruption Network. Just to, to get out there and tell a story and create some good content, and I feel like this is uh, very important, and people need to hear this. This particular story, if I never do another podcast, if I never do anything, if I never talk on the radio again, if I walk out this door and I get hit by a bus, that this, let this and Purple Cow Wings be my legacy. That this story of me walking alongside this person, I mean, listen, man... I think he's on day 80-something, you know, and I don't know if he's going to relapse or not. God forbid I pray for him, you know, The and what I will mention, too, is the Lady of Guadalupe, uh, my patron uh, alliance. We talk about spirit guides and plant medicine, that the Lady of Guadalupe, she's a tattoo on my arm, the Blessed Mother, that this, I'm going to give a shout-out. This is the biggest shout I'm going to give to this Blessed Mother, that she's a spiritual ally in my life, and that when I open up ceremony, that I call this 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 spirit. Jesus' mother, and she's taken many forms throughout the ages in many different lives and bodies uh, that I call this particular spirit in because she's the divine feminine. And what she offers is forgiveness, compassion, not judgment, love. Everything that, that a loving mother 
would do. And so when I opened up ceremony and I gave him a candle and for, for now, I mean, I brought him, when I went down to Mexico, I brought him a, a rosary from uh, the lady of Guadalupe. I just went to Colombia. I brought him something back from there. Uh, so that it's so important that these, you know, these healings happen on so many different levels with so many different things going on. It's not just the toad. It's not just ayahuasca, that it's the ocean, that it's the sun, that it's the bum on the street that you meet that you sense something to you that resonates that it's it's just the shift it's the littlest shift whether it's holding your glass of water and putting a prayer on it putting the prayer into the water and then drinking it i've had that happen to me before man that was like part of my mushroom story like when I was watching, you know, before I started microdosing, I blessed the water. I saw, I saw the video on TV, and my life changed. So, you know, I don't know what it is from one little thing to another big thing that can make these things change in life. That is, that it's amazing. <laughs>